Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions talk at all things Pac-12 football. We got a lot of news to get to, but we got to do finish our previews. We got six more publishers from the 24-7 Sports Network to call in, give a two, three-minute preview of their team. Uh, so we'll get, that'll be all 12 in the first, in the last two uh, episodes. So I hope you guys enjoy that. We got some news and notes and stuff. We want to talk about the conference, Big Big Ten media deal, what it means for the Pac-12 and UC Board of Regents blocking UCLA from going to the Big Ten, all that fun stuff we got to get to. But if you have any questions or comments for the show, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com is our email address, or you could call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can go over to the Twitter sphere and tweet at us at Pac-12podcast and the website, of course, Pac-12podcast.com, where you can find all our old episodes. We're over on Reddit, Podcast of Champions, and where you, the most important part is the Apple Podcasting app. I think that the majority of our listeners, Dave, come on the Apple Podcasting app. So most of you guys are listening on that app. We appreciate that. But if you do, make sure you follow us so you don't feel like just try to find us because we don't know when we're going to record. It's just it's, it changes every week, which is that's the way you're supposed to do it. When you yeah, do it, right? no, no regular times. Right. No gods or masters on this show. We Probably once we get in the season, we'll do regular times. It'll change every week anyway. But yeah, get on the Apple Podcast. Follow. How are you on Tuesday mornings? Let's just get it done right now. Uh, I think they're going to practice Tuesday mornings. Do you have to go? Uh, yes. Isn't that why you pay people? There's only like two practices a week that I can go to, so I'm going to have to go. Mm. Maybe maybe it'll get to the point where I'm, I'm onboarding a lot of – I got my interns All coming. Right, how are you Mondays at 10 a.m.? Uh, that'd probably be pretty good. Why don't we do Mondays at 10 a.m.? Mondays at 10 a.m. All right. I like it. There. We got a schedule now. Monday's 10 a.m. Let's do it. Uh, Apple Podcasting app. So you got to follow us over there. But most importantly, give us that five-star rating. Uh, I know we're going to have some jockey gift cards coming in the mail. I'm not saying we're going to bribe you again for five-star ratings, but we might. I will. We might. I'll um, say that. But we do need the five-star rating. I think we got one, David. We did. got one. Yes. Okay. This is from Bow Down to Washington, a five-star rating. Would Andrew Luck be a top three Pac-12 quarterback today? And then he has his ratings. He has luck worse than Caleb Williams. Okay. Better than Cam Rising. Worse than DTR. Equal to Cameron Ward. Greater than Tanner McKee. Greater than Jaden Delora. 
way better than Bo Nix, greater than Chance Nolan, greater than Sam Heward, Michael Penix Jr., and Dylan Morris, greater than Emory Jones, greater than Jack Plummer, and greater than Brandon Lewis. Uh, I agree with a lot of those, but, but not I, I, all of them. I'm not sure I agree with any of the top three. <laughs> yeah. I, I would take Andrew Luck over Cam Rising and DTR, no question about it. Yeah. Uh, probably over Caleb Williams. Probably over Caleb Williams, too. Yeah, like, I mean, we, I don't know, like, if you asked me this question at the end of the year, it, I think we'd have a better answer. But Andrew Luck was an absolute stud. He was taking the Indianapolis Colts to the playoffs when they only were playing like nine guys. They didn't even have enough guys to field an offense. And he just, you know, they didn't have a full offensive line. You know, they weren't allowed to, I don't know, maybe some rule or something. He still got him in the playoffs. So, like, pretty much single handedly. So, he is a certified stud. It would be really hard for me to put anyone on that list today above him. Yep. So, but thank you for the the five star rating. We appreciate that. Five we star love review. a five star rating. That is awesomeness. How are you doing today, David? Are you okay? I'm great. I've never been better. I'm riding on about nine hours of total sleep in the last two days. Oh, feeling good. Feeling grand. Are you going out to practice much? Or are you doing it? Yeah, I've done the last two days, and I'm going again tomorrow. Nice. See, we're we're kind of limiting us. We could only go to like pretty much like three a week, so it's not. Mm. Yeah. So, like, and do you get to see the whole thing? Hell's no. We get to see like thirty minutes usually. To this morning, it was like fifteen. It was like shorter than normal. We saw. So we see twenty minutes, but those twenty minutes. I, I mean, today it was absurd. So <laughs> we see twenty minutes, and it's usually just individuals and and some special teams today. I saw 10 straight minutes of punting. That just, was part just punt team. So half of your viewing. Punt team with no full return. Like it wasn't even half speed. Literally the guys just catching the ball, jogging a few steps and then stopping. Nice. So nothing to evaluate aside from, oh, that punt was big. That was another big one. Uh, the offensive line, quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers all practice on the far field away from where the media right, is so camped out. So you can't see anything. Uh, so you see the exact same linebacker, defensive end, and defensive tackle, and defensive back drills every single day. Awesome. The same backpedal from some the defensive great, backs. Great photos. Oh my god! Oh my good god! It is it is absurd. It, like I, I I sort of get why you would have it open a little bit so that you know people can get their photos and stuff. But if you're only going to allow basically one group of players to ever be photographed, which is essentially what you're doing there. Like, how do you write about the offense? No, how do you get a new photo of Dorian Thompson Robinson? If he's always practicing on the far field, how do you ever write about the offensive line? Can't get a picture of him. Yeah. I mean, watching practice, I know some people think it's boring. It is a good way to evaluate stuff. You can see who's on the two deep, where they're going. You can see like who's winning one-on-one. So when you can't do that, and which sucks because USC has been usually typically open with that stuff. And, the, you know, the the later years of Clay Clay Helton, they haven't. We didn't know if we would get any access with Lincoln Riley because he had pretty much ever shut it down. But they're opened up some. The good thing for us is that we can, instead of being, we were in a little pen and the same thing. We would always see the same drills and everyone, the line more far away. We can now walk around, which is better. So we can go around like between the two fields so we can get like, close up a defensive lineman. The offensive linemen are still far away. We can't get close to them. But everyone else, we can get pictures and video of. So we haven't been able, just to give you a, an idea, we haven't been able to even see 
who the first string offensive line is because we can't because <laughs> the like way far away, well yeah. no it's not even just the distance it's where we are situated it has the most mass in between us <laughs> and the offensive line it's several individual drills of the defense then a bunch of people just camped out on the sideline in front of the offensive line and then the offensive line not only practices in the far corner the tight ends practice right next to them right next to them So you're looking through the tight ends to see the offensive line, even once you get your eyes adjusted to the distance there. Yeah, that's crazy. It's insane. That that is nuts. Um, But luckily, we know the offensive line. We just know it so well because there's absolutely nothing changing for UCLA this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not upset with the content we can get because we can we can get good photos and we can get good video. The uh, but the evaluation part sucks. Like that's that's what I miss. Yeah, we can't get good photos or good video. Like like we're we're. We're literally filming the exact same drills every single day. It's it's at some point you gotta like move people around and just try to like rotate things and stuff. That would be um, nice. What is the so we can we get a lot of player and coach availability? Do you? Yeah, I mean we get um, not bad. We get two or three a day. Um, okay, and they're trying to make the assistants available now, which is good. That's a good adjustment. They weren't assistants right were unavailable for the first four years of the Chip Kelly era. Nice. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that access is good. It's just it's because uh, the same thing. I mean, it, it changed under Mora, but um, UCLA was always wide open. And yeah. I know a lot of other programs had it differently. But in the L.A. market, you UCLA and USC were always wide open and you could request anybody. Yeah. Um, and they don't I don't think either one is doing it that way anymore. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a pro town, you know, Um yeah, you want to be competitive in the media space. Like, it's, you're not going to be on the front page of the LA Times if you don't let people talk. You know, so uh, they they can talk about the Lakers off season and you know Dodgers trying to win a World Series, all this other stuff. So you kind of have to be open in this market. So, uh, all right, well, we let's start off with some like big breaking news. Like, there's there's so much going on. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm flabbergasted by this news. I went up to Westwood the other day. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite spots. I'm a sweet tooth guy. Yeah. Dee yeah. Reese. Yep. You could go in there. I think cookies were like a quarter. Uh-huh. The ice cream sandwich would be like two big cookies with a huge chunk of ice cream on it. I think it was $1.25 or $1.50. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been there for a couple of years, pre-pandemic, whatever. I go in there, and it's like any cookie space or any cookie store you would see in L.A. where like... It's seventy-five cents a cookie, and it's four fifty for an ice cream sandwich. Still okay, so that's somewhat reasonable, but it's not what it used to be. What is going on in your town, there? Like, for all the, you know, you're a Utah fan, yep. and like you'd not come to a away game. You're like, hey, I don't have so many chances to come to LA now. Come out, you know. I'm going to go to Westwood. I'm going to go to Dee Reese. I don't know if I'm going to recommend it anymore. Two what, notes. What is going Two on? Two notes. One. Okay. It is very uh, funny and very typical that uh the usc person has like the closest affiliation with diddy race like when you would go there as a student it's like half usc people in line at diddy race. nice um anyway diddy race i was calling diddy is like diddy diddy race um that's one two uh i always had a theory that diddy race was actually a drug front because (laughs) they have um whenever you go in there there's like 19 people working um, selling previously uh, like dollar ice cream sandwiches. The math doesn't add up unless it's used for money laundering. 
So my only guess is that maybe the legalization of cannabis, maybe some other things going on um, has made it so that they have to run a legitimate business now. And uh, legitimate business costs mean they have to raise the prices. Gotcha. Okay. Um, The only way that business will have worked at any point is that it was a drug front. Well, it's just I just felt like it was the end of an era, you know. Like, this it's was like sad. this old. If there's any place that they just have 1980s prices, like you love that to stick around. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure the real answer is that uh, rent got raised in a big way. Yeah, uh, whatever. But that, that that was just a bummer. So, you know, one last thing for like the out of town Pac-12, you know. Fans, if they weren't going to come, they were going to come for a UCLA game. They wanted to go do that. Well, and the thing wouldn't is, wouldn't recommend it they're, anymore. They're good cookies. They're still but good. Like, I don't know if they're seventy-five cents a cookie. Good. They're, like, there's a good, uh, like a baked bear near my house in Hermosa. Like, I love their ice cream sandwiches. Like, it's homemade ice cream and all that stuff. But their ice cream sandwich is like eight bucks. So this is still like a reasonably priced ice cream sandwich. But it, when it was a dollar fifty or whatever, it's like, a no brainer, right? It's like it's a no brainer. Give me ten yes, of them. Yes, please. I will acquire diabetes. <laughs> They're essentially free. I will. I will attain diabetes. The only please. like yes, like there was no reason to not get D.D. Reese cookies and sandwiches, except there was a line to get them. Like when you walk up there, you could just throw a twenty dollar bill and say, "Give me whatever you got," and just like pile it in. And you'd be good for a long time. But right. The yeah, the only hurdle was the uh, was was the line. But so that's the only breaking news we have, right? Nothing else. Uh, there's some other stuff. We have the AP, not as big as that. No, like not obviously. as big as like Diddy Reese uh, raising their prices. Um, the AP poll is out. Uh, the preseason poll. So uh, the highest ranked Pac-12 team is Utah, at number seven. I think they're a little uh, underranked there. They're behind Notre Dame and Texas A&M. Like I would have them above Texas A&M. Like why would you not have them above Texas A&M? You know, uh, whatever. But then. You have Oregon at number 11, and then USC at number 14. The weird one for me, uh, Pac-12 champion BYU is only 25. So why is the, you know, <laughs> why is BYU not higher? Um, don't know. But yeah, 25, they'll play a couple of Pac-12 schools. Uh, if you look at the others receiving votes, though, like you're going, it's there's not a lot of Pac-12 there. I mean, there's Fresno State's coming in. They have a few votes. Uh, they're not a Pac-12 team, but then, you know, still no UCLA yet going further down, further down, further down Boise state. I mean, air force, Appalachian States getting other votes. And then UCLA has two other votes. That's it. There's an eight and four team returns a bunch. I don't know. San Diego state also has two other votes. Uh, so that's kind of the West coast flavor for that. Any, you don't really care. I know about the polls, but. Any thoughts on your not caring about the polls? Uh, I mean, I, I'm I, you've you've called me out correctly. Um, I found a lot to do while you were reading that off. Um, <laughs> I lifted this helmet that's sitting here. I opened my Twitter account. Um, saw a new mention. As for the AP poll itself, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it obviously sounds correct. We know that there are three good teams in the Pac-12 this year. Or, or that could we, be we four. know there. Why can't UCLA be up there? We know there are three good teams, and we suspect there could be more. But we know there are three that should be good, and the AP poll aligns with that. Wow. All right. You're, you're really not going to go. I mean, we got to go all in on UCLA being good, man. We, You got to keep the Chip Kelly trade. So here's on. the thing. I think UCLA, Chip Kelly going to the UCLA Big has a decent perfect. chance of being ranked pretty high at one point in the year, right after they go 5-0 and to start the year. Yeah. Um, there's real potential for that. 
And then there's potential for them to just kind of fall flat on their face after that. I think it's going to be very similar to last year where they're going to have three losses, but they're going to be the, to the three good teams they played. Yeah. Uh, there was also a story of The Athletic you want to go check out. Uh, Pac-12 Networks and Larry Scott, like kind of a history of how that all came together. And they interviewed a bunch of the Pac-12 on-air talent and stuff and some of the behind-the-scenes people and everything. So I think that was all pretty uh, interesting stuff if you guys want to go check it out. But, you know, th- I don't think there was anything like groundbreaking, like unbelievable. But, you know, that it all comes down to the distribution that didn't make it to direct TV and how that all kind of all that stuff happened. And it's, it sucks. You know, you're like an Ashley Adamson and you're like, I'm really enjoying what we're doing here, but all that anyone's going to talk about is why are you guys aren't direct TV? So that was sort of like their nightmare for 10 years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing that we knew, I think at the time, but that kind of highlighted was the, uh, the president's shooting down the kind of, final attempt at a deal with uh, DirecTV. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, in, in retrospect, obviously, that was the nail in the coffin for, I mean, potentially the league entirely, though, you know, we'll see how this ends up, but certainly for uh, the league maintaining as uh, what it had been for so long. It sounded like it wouldn't have been a great deal, but you want to get on DirecTV however you could. I mean, the problem was when it was originally, you know, the thought out, the seven networks, the there was just so many things you were like, this was bad. You shouldn't do it on your own. You shouldn't have seven networks, you know, like direct TV is like, we're not taking, I think one of the quotes was we're not taking seven networks or whatever, you know, like you made it a lot harder to get carried because you came up with seven instead of one. And your focus was, we're going to put more, we're going to put more live sporting events on television than any other conference. More live sporting events is much higher cost. And you're putting, you're not putting football and basketball. You're putting stuff that people don't watch. So like, well, you made it very it. expensive, and it wasn't watchable. It wasn't like, oh, we need to get that. If I don't get the women's water polo, I'm canceling directly. Or you know, it's like, no, that's not going to happen. And that was another point that was made in there that like, there aren't enough good games. And uh, apparently, Directv advertised that when you would go to the FAQ page, yeah, where it would say. Yeah, we think you should be able to watch the Pac-12 games, and here's where they where the good games are. Um, they're all on <laughs> these networks it. that we have. Uh, on the Pac-12 network, the average margin of victory last week was 23 points or whatever it was, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like you were basically you you brought rocks to a gunfight for something like that. Like yeah. you're gonna try to take down Directv, and they just like yeah, don't you. don't go to war with a uh, uh, satellite TV. No, whatever. Well, they're they're kind of come back to earth now, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that was an interesting article. You want to check uh, check that out. Um, there's two things we kind of have to talk about. Maybe we'll start with the Big Ten media deal was announced Thursday morning. We are recording this Thursday uh, afternoon. As- so you might you might be able to say this morning. This morning. Well, people are listening at other times, so we don't care. Well, I I kind of do. There's a timestamp to this. That's true. But when you're listening, you don't always know when it was recorded. So we've got to clear that up. Well, yeah, but now you've said this morning, and we're recording this Thursday afternoon. So you didn't need to say Thursday twice. Okay. Just I'm just throwing it out there. You so, know what? Um, somebody else posted a review that we should talk about. Because, uh, oh, you did? Yeah, well, somebody Someone else. Did? It was a two-star review, so I'm just going to reference it. I'm not going to read it. But oh. um, this guy. Got a two-star review? Yeah, this guy was really sad because he doesn't like how you criticize me and uh, cut me off all the time. 
I don't think that's what it says. No, that's what it says. It says the angry one just criticized the other one on how he did everything. So I'm the angry one. <laughs> I nice. often, I often, I, I mean, I, I haven't wanted to talk about it because it's kind of an uncomfortable topic, but you, like you do, I think, have a little bit of an anger issue. I do, for sure. Yeah, I'm just that, saying. That's all me. I mean, um, call this an intervention if you want. I, okay, I appreciate that. Is there someone, my mom kind of walked through the door here or something? Uh, well, anyway, so the Big Ten deal, we don't want to go too much detail. It's big. It's a lot of money. It's a whole bunch of money, like piles and piles of money. I'll be honest, though. You Not thought, quite as much money as I thought it was going to be. It could be more. Well, and I, I think this isn't everything. This is that, that's the good part. Is like this, and it's it's bigger. Is it the good part, or is it the part that's going to kill college football? You it tell might me. be that it's bigger than the SEC deal. It's shorter than the SEC deal. They get to re- go again a couple of years before the SEC is up. But the fact that they're they're going to have a draft between Fox, CBS, and NBC for all the games, so Fox doesn't get all the good games. Uh, they're going to move rotate the championship game around a little bit so fox gets most of them but you're going to see big 10 championship game on nbc you're going to see big 10 championship on cbs basketball's involved uh seems i mean it's seems very well thought out uh this is going to be you know it's either got fs1 games big 10 network games um i don't know what it means for notre dame jack sorbrick the uh, ad said you know, he likes the fact that they'll have a lead-in game or there'll be a lead-in game to the Big Ten. And I think they'll be the lead-in game to the Big Ten. Do you think he'd be okay with changing his last name to something else that's easier to pronounce? Maybe. Like, what about Starbuck? I like that much better. Yeah, Jack Starbuck. So, so much better. That's good. Uh, yeah, so I don't So I don't know what it's going to end up meaning. You know, As far as for the Pac-12. His um, name is Swarbrick. Swarbrick. Did I say something? Yeah, wrong? yeah, but just. It's weird. It's It's tough. It's a tough one. Yeah. You're like you're like barnacling on this stuff. <laughs> like that's where we that's where the boat's trying to sail by. <laughs> He's just been there a long time. It's it's you could just say this morning. Okay, good. Uh, well it's this morning. Like we, you already said Thursday. It's this morning. Okay. Dave Starbuck. <laughs> he's he's a John. John. John Brian Swarbrick. Not a junior. Not a Jonathan. So John Swarbrick Sr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> said, <laughs> said, I want my kid to have this exact thing going on too. <laughs> I've had to deal with this. You're going to deal with it yeah, too, yeah. kid. Give him a different last name. Nice. Anyway, continue, please. I don't know what it means for Notre Dame. Uh, it does open up the pos- – like I guess things can kind of get renegotiated if they're going to expand. It seems like so there. There's uh, Peacock is involved. Uh, there's some Paramount Plus stuff in there, but no, like Amazon. There, you know, none of the Apple. Um, so I mean, that could be good for the Pac-12. Uh, I read one article where they felt it's better for the Big 12 because they, you know, the ESPN wants to compete in some of those earlier games. The night games will be fine, but that's sort of like all that the Pac-12 is bringing to the table right now. Which you know. If you're a Pac-12 fan, you always want to see less night games, and now it's going to be your your main your 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 whole worth is your night games. Um, and it does it seems like there could be more expansion. So I think it's just more uncertainty. Um, so I don't know if it's overall good for the Pac-12. There's some positives. I think there's some negatives. Um, but yeah, it's a massive, massive deal, and it probably will impact what we're going to talk about next too. But any thoughts on? 
the Big Ten's deal or Notre Dame's athletic director's name. <laughs> or what day it is. Um, yeah, man. Who knows? Um, so I would say the money amount, um, I mean, it sounds fine. I don't know how much more there will be in terms of what would it be like tier th- three rights or whatever. Yeah, I don't. It seems like this is probably tier one and tier two together, maybe. And I don't know. Like, um, but it's the, just the media rights. I mean, it's, by the end of the deal, it's like about 80 million a school, I think. So, right. Which is, that's a, a little undershooting, but um, if there's more to come, then there's more to come. And there's actually incentives. And we, I don't think we've seen the numbers numbers, but there's like incentive stuff too. Like things, it could get bigger, you know, who the heck knows? Right. So it could, um, I think it's, you know, it's it's about what everyone was figuring. Um, so I guess that's good. Uh, I don't see how it changes the complexion or picture for anyone else um, with, because everyone knew that the dollar amount was going to be at least a billion a year, right? Yeah. So for it to be 1.2 or whatever the the actual number was, I mean that's that's in line with what everyone was already expecting. So I don't yeah. know why um why it would change much for anyone. I don't know why it would have a huge impact on the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or anyone else beyond what it already had when this move was announced because I think all of this was was a known uh more or less figure at that point. Yeah. No, I think that's True. Kinzano had a column on it a little bit. I mean, there's there's definitely concern. Um, and, you know, stability is it's it's important for George Klyovkov, um Kalashnikov to uh, he's got to dig in his heels and just make sure that Oregon, Washington don't leave that just you got to keep the 10 together, keep things afloat. Um, but it's a it's a massive deal, you know, and it's you know that's the reason you know why hey why did USC and UCLA join like well money. this I mean this is like ridiculously huge okay money 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 uh yeah but they're gonna have the way they set it up it's very NFL like and Kevin Warren the commissioner came from uh, the NFL and you know the way they po- they postpone things as far as the college football playoff goes. I think that's really to open things up. So NBC can have a game and CBS can have a game and Fox can have a game. And it's not just all ESPN. Um, it seems like he's a pretty shrewd person when it comes to this, you know, the, these kind of negotiations. And I don't know. I don't know how you could do it better. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But the fact that you got a massive deal and it's not overly long that you're like stuck in it, like you can get out of it, you know. Well, having um, having monumental leverage makes deal making really easily. I mean, it, <laughs> it's it, he's he's got, I mean, so many markets now, so much inventory. I mean, he can bend whoever he wants over a barrel, and you know, get the money he wants. Yeah. I, it, it's a good deal. No, don't get me wrong, but um, you know, I, here's the thing I'd say: George Klyavkov may be more or less shrewd than Kevin Warren. Very well. He has absolutely sure. no cards to play. Yeah. Um, Kevin Warren has all the cards. Um. Greg Sankey has a lot of cards, so they, yeah, they can, they can leverage the shit out of all of the cards they have. Um, and that's yeah, just, it's like if you're at a poker table and he could be the best poker player, but it's like a tournament. The only thing those we, guys have big stacks. The and only he has thing, a small stack. the only thing we can say with any certainty is that Larry Scott was absolutely terrible. He was bad. He had a bigger, he had a bigger stack of chips. He had better cards, and he pissed it away. Do you and know not, the Pac-12 at one time had the biggest media deal? Mm. I, that was one thing that came out of reading that story again is remi- remembering 
way back, what was it, 13 years ago when they first negotiated, uh, that was the biggest at the time. And yes, a lot of stuff came after that that quickly changed it. But And that that, by the way, that athletic story, one of the storylines was like, what was promised for revenue from the Pac-12 network? Oh my right? God! And yeah. there's some people are saying we never said you're going to make money off of this. Like what? Like what? and the average distribution has turned out to be what? Like two million dollars? It was something like that. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was. You know. I think. I think it was Wilner that was reporting before. Like the the range that Larry Scott was quoting was like seven to ten million. Like seven on the low end, and it just never even it never got close to the low end of what he was estimating. So just, just, just. Poor planning, poor vision, just terrible overall. Yeah. Um, well, what this could lead into, and this is obviously, besides Diddy Reese, the biggest story, uh, the UC Board of Regents had oh, a I meeting. thought you were getting into more about Swarbrick. Swarbrick. Uh, Starbuck. Uh, no. So there was a UC Regents meeting. Uh, I assumed you were going to watch it. I didn't watch it. Uh, I, If I had watched it, I would have immediately, I think... Um, not just quit my job, but quit everything <laughs> and just wandered into the forest never to be seen again. So they had like a public thing. Is there was, okay, so I'm in like a couple of group chats with some okay. UCLA people. Just tell us what that was like. And these absolute freaks are watching this thing. Right. I'm like, this is it's my job. Important. This is my job. It. I should be watching this. Yes, you I'm should not have. doing this. I am not doing this because I can read about it. This is the same theory as last week when I was talking to you about and, um, drawing some ire from your USC fans because I wasn't paying proper respect to what was said at the Pac-12 media days. <laughs> this is where newspapers are better because I can just read the three important quotes that Ben Bolch puts up the next day rather than having to sit through seven hours of this crap myself. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you subject yourself to just like, it's basically like the equivalent of local level political grandstanding. It'd be like if you went to your um, like community meeting or your uh, whatever, your like town meeting, and you just listened to it every single week and you did the whole thing. Um, it's like that. No, no, I don't want that. Okay. Um, well, what and, did you what did you read then? Because I, I really didn't pay attention. Okay, to this. so so here's the gist. Um, so I'm going to give you the gist of what was reported and then the reality. So the okay. gist the gist is um oh the the regents they do have a lot of power. They can decide whatever they want to do. They can retroactively relinquish the authority doled out to the individual schools. So this was like in the 80s, right? They said So they yeah, 91. So there's 91. 91 so there's uh basically um they delegate authority in a lot of business matters to the individual presidents. Okay. Um because you can't go around trying to approve every single thing for a university, particularly when universities are operating at different levels of function, right? UCLA is doing a whole bunch of research contracts that UC Santa Cruz, for example, is not doing. So they gotta be and they're doing a bunch of capital improvements that UC Santa Cruz may not be doing. So they've got to have the ability to negotiate those contracts, manage their own finances to a large extent autonomously. Gotcha. Right? This is one of those areas where UCLA decided it was going to use that as their position, right? Sure. We are we are operating within the uh, bounds of what was already agreed to. The regents are basically saying we can relinquish that authority at any point, and that is technically true. They can, um, but what that will do in 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 a general sense is have this massive chilling effect where suddenly all the presidents have to do what they haven't had to do for a very long time, which is, hey, regents, I want to. Um, you know, solicit donations for this big building and we're going to have to, you know, begin the process with a loan that we're going to pay off with the donations. Can we do this? Do we have to submit a plan? You know, all this kind of shit. 
they're not going to want to deal with that. So they're not going to do this just from like a pure bureaucracy standpoint. They're right. not going to do this because they don't want to cause that issue. But then on the other side of this, it's just absolute political posturing. It's nonsensical political posturing. I think part of it is Gavin Newsom raised the flag and said, hey, this is something I care about. So all these just and if you I, I saw a clip, I'll be honest, I watched a little bit. <gasps> um, you did just these absolute flunkies, just these just pure politicos just trying to make a stink about something they very clearly have no idea about, like have no understanding. One of them was asking, why can't Cal just go to the Big Ten, too? Can Cal be D3? Like they have no understanding of what major college football is. So they're, they're not. They're not up on the sports balls. No, not not whatsoever. <laughs> so um, it's not going to matter. I mean, I think end of the day, all they're doing is posturing. Maybe if you're being really generous to their thinking, but I don't even think this is right. They're trying to leverage to get Cal in the Big Ten, too. Um, but I think the reality is they just don't know what the hell they're talking about. They know that Gavin Newsom said he's opposed to this. And so they're trying to, you know, curry favor in the way of... Um, all kinds of spineless bureaucrats. Um, nice. So end result, it's not going to matter. It's just a bunch of posturing uh, front facing. They're going to say that they hold the power because they want to look like they're powerful. Gotcha. Then this media deal comes out and then people are like, Oh, by the way, yeah, you was getting like 28 million a year and they're going to get 78 million a year now. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's, it's just, it's obvious. It's obvious that they like that. Like, the, I don't think this media deal helped. No, the, the UC Regents cause if they're trying to stop this from happening. No, the easy case can be made that it's going to provide a better f uh, fiscal future for the UC as a whole, not just, you know, UCLA. And so with that, I mean, there's just no real leg to stand on here. Yeah. Um, and I, this is the other point, which is if they even were serious about this, which I really, really, really deeply, very strongly don't believe they are. Uh, if they actually tried to enforce this, they would now be sued to oblivion, the UC, by the Big Ten, CBS. Oh yeah, Fox, with this breaking NBC. this contract. Yeah, like yeah, th there's just no way. Yeah, if if they say UCLA doesn't have the authority to do this signed contract, well, great, welcome to like the next three years of litigation. <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty terrible. It would just be, I mean, it, yeah. it, it would just be so self-defeating and stupid that I don't even think these uh, <laughs> idiot bureaucrats can make that choice. When they realize, oh, crap, we're going to get like sued by Fox and CBS and NBC. Yeah, like, do you really want to go to battle with uh, a bunch of television networks lawyers? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, okay. Well, why don't we take a quick break and come back and we'll continue our season previews. Back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How was your break? My break was good, David. How was yours? It was all right. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit rusty coming out of it. Yes. Um, you yeah. know, we, we got to do a warm up. We, we went away for how long? Several weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's now it's Thursday, but it's a different, it's a different Thursday, Thursday now. morning now. Yeah. 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 What thought, were we talking about? I, well, I spent the whole time thinking. Oh, about, that was back when UCLA was going to the Big Ten, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I just thinking about, you know. UCLA has to go to the Big Ten because I want to see the Chip Kelly era in the shut Big up. Ten play. Just shut That's up. what I have to he see. He doesn't even believe he's going to be there. He's going to be there. Like, did his name come up at the Board of Regents at all? Was it like <laughs> they got they got this high profile <laughs> coach? They Chip got Kelly. this. They got this great guy. You got to get him. <laughs> they won. They won an out of conference game last year. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, I know it's first time, but still. Uh, okay. Uh, we did reach out. Uh, I had to re-reach out, and in some cases, re-re-reach out, uh, and was was able to gather uh, more previews. And so I'm just going to do them in the order I got them uh, on the board. Is that cool with you? You don't care? We don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is where we need the video feed because you're looking at me, looking for some sign of of understanding that I care that I give any shit about what's going on right now. You, you don't do see it and you just keep talking. It's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I was thinking about the video <laughs> thing. It's just going to take a little while to set up. Um, but it's also hard. Like I don't want to do it when we have like 15 minutes of voicemails to play. <laughs> Cause then we're just like sitting here, like we're watching us a video, like we're listening to voicemail, everybody. Um, okay. First up, let's go to our buddy, Chris Cartman. I'm very curious about this one. Cause I've, I've heard some previews, about Arizona State that were uh, a lot more optimistic than what's going on in my head, David. I don't know where yours is. Uh, full disclosure, we're going to get back to if we do the the my bookie stuff again. I've already put in an under on ASU's total for the season. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. I just said under. Give away, give them the under. Um, well, I gotta, we got to reach out to them, see if they're going to like sponsor us again. That'd be great. Uh, but I'm still going to use them because it was fun. Uh, but anyway. I want to hear what Chris has to say because I always trust what he has to say. So if he's like super optimistic and this is going to be like a seven-win team, I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind of bummed. But here's uh, our preview of Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Chris Cartman here, Sun Devil Source, reporting on ASU's preseason camp. Uh, almost three weeks underway. It's been a little bit of a blur. Uh, we haven't seen a quarterback name yet, but all signs point to Emory Jones, the Florida transfer. It's pretty obvious at this point. That's what Herm Edwards is going to reveal. Later this week, when he makes the announcement, Jones is the only person who's taken first-team reps consistently throughout practices. Uh, he's been the best quarterback by far, but that's not saying much. The others at the position haven't looked good, and even Jones at times has struggled with the accuracy and some of his mechanics, uh, some interceptions and uh, errant throws, but then he's had some very bright moments as well. Uh, his mobility is going to be super important because the passing attack of ASU looks uh, pretty shaky at this point, really, after losing 75% of their production from a team that underwhelmed in that regard last year. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with these wide receivers because nobody looks like they're ready to be a breakout go-to 
option, even Cam Smith, a Vanderbilt transfer, who has more receiving yards and receptions than everybody else on the ASU's roster. I do kind of like Charles Hall the fourth, who's a Division II transfer from Virginia Union University. He has good speed and uh, stockily built uh, guy who I think can, can get a lot of, of catches uh, and targets and the tight end position, Messiah Swinson, has been pretty good. I'm transferring in from Missouri, and Jalen Conyers has some upside as a receiving threat for a big body at 6'4", 260 pounds. Uh, the run game, that's what AC is going to have to rely upon, right? Uh, even with a rebuilt offensive line that will feature three or four uh, transfers, uh, in addition to Darius Henderson at left guard and Ben Scott at center, um, not sure how they're going to do up front, but they do have – uh, some older bodies there. The left tackle is probably the biggest concern between Isaiah Glass and Division II transfer Emmett Foley. I like Wyoming running back transfer Xavier Valade quite a bit. He, he's capable of carrying a, a large load. And then Daniel and God has had a really good camp. He started the Wisconsin game last year when ASU played in the Las Vegas Bowl. They'll be good uh, there. On the defensive side, really the front seven is one of the strengths of the team. And that's even with the ACL tear to Michael Matus, the starting defensive end who went down uh, this week in camp. If anyone, if any position is uh, able to uh, withstand an injury like that, it's probably ASU's defensive end. Uh, they have Anthony Cooper, who was basically a part-time starter last year. Trevette Moore, who's back from an ACL tear of his own last September and was a top three player at the position. Uh, and then um, uh, new up-and-comer is Joe Moore. I think he looks really good, actually, so far. Uh, linebackers, Roman Robertson, Kyle Soley, they should be solid. And then uh, he unfortunately got cut off. I asked him, I think he thought he got cut off later than he was because we didn't really get to hear much about the linebackers. He told me um, that he said uh, the really only thing he wanted to add was that the secondary probably won't be as good as it was last year. Um, you know, no Lucas back. But he said it shouldn't be a glaring weakness. Uh, I think there's depth concerns at linebacker. I think there was only like five scholarship linebackers. I think there's only like five scholarship wide receivers too. Um, but any thoughts on what uh, Cartman had to say? Cartman's a truth teller. So I, I I feel maybe slightly better about their defense than I was thinking I would be. Yeah. Um, you know, defensive line sounds like there's, you know, at least some talent at end. Um, and then if the secondary is pretty decent um, – not super warmed by his evaluation of the passing game. No, when you're like trying to find out who's going to be the playmaker and like, you know, the, uh, the Virginia union kid, like he, like he looks like he's got good footwork and like, we're like, wait, what? That's what, like, that's what you're yeah. relying on the Virginia union transfer. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's just like at a high level. That doesn't sound good. No. So I, I still think ASU is going to be bad. Uh, the question is exactly how bad. If they've still got a playable defense. Um, all right, let's look at the schedule. You got Northern Arizona. That's a win. You got Oklahoma State on the road. That's a loss. Yeah. Right? Eastern Michigan at home. That should be a win. Right? Yeah. And then it's, you know. A mess. It's not good. Because, all right, so they don't have Oregon. So that's good. Yeah. Um. They don't get Cal, so they have to they they get Stanford instead, which is probably good. It's better. Could you squint and see a bowl team here? Could you see six and six? I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I, I don't put think money. So. No, I think that like the end of their season is like four road games. I think in the last half, 
So a lot of road games at the end. And I think by then... If, uh, it's one, two, three, four of their last six are road. Four of the last six are road. Um, I think it's going to be a problem. I think by the, I don't think the motivation is going to be there later on the season. You yeah, know? and it is, it's the year with five conference road games for them. Yeah. So that's dicey. Yeah, I mean, USC is going to be in a, a pretty close to impossible one to win. Utah is going to be tough at home. Um, and then the road games will be road games. So, I mean, I see like an Arizona being able to beat them this year, you know, like. So what do you think? Four, four, four and eight? I mean, I, I'm, my month, I mean, three, nine, four and eight is like where I'm thinking. Okay. But I mean, they got two like, should be wins, I guess, FAU beat. Was it FAU beat Arizona last year or was that? NAU. NAU did. I'm sorry. What did I say? FAU. NAU. I don't know. You're into Florida Atlantic? I'm into Florida Atlantic, baby. Uh, Lane Kiffin's old Come to grounds. the FAU. Come to the FAU. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Chris, for that. Let's go to California Golden Bears. The sturdy Golden Bear. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Jackson Moore, who does, he, he's our Fresno State guy. So. Mm-hmm. Big part of it, but also does Cal and Stanford. So he was nice enough to call in twice. Uh, let's do his Cal preview. The California Golden Bears have had a wacky offseason. After an underwhelming 5-7 and seven year, head coach Justin Wilcox reportedly turned down the head coaching job at his alma mater, Oregon, and instead signed an extension with Cal. Wilcox is back, but his players are not. Virtually every remaining star from his best team in 2019 has now departed this past offseason. Many opted not to come back for an extra year of eligibility and instead headed to the NFL draft or left as graduate transfers. Now Cal's young core is stepping to the forefront, and the Golden Bears will put their top 30 2021 class and their top 40 2020 recruiting class to the test. Cal projects as more talented but less experienced at positions like wide receiver, tight end, and defensive line. Meanwhile, Cal hit the transfer portal hard to address uh, key concerns of positions like quarterback, offensive line, and linebacker. Cal's biggest remaining question marks, though, are on the O-line and at starting cornerback opposite of sophomore Lou Hearns, positions that are still up for grabs in fall camp. Much of Cal's season will be on the shoulders of new quarterback Jack Plummer, a transfer from Purdue. Plummer started 13 games for the Boilermakers over the past three seasons. He has impressed with his ability to, to distribute the ball. He is not a risk taker, as shown by his 15 touchdowns and two interceptions in 20 and 21, which has carried over to practice. Uh, he did not quite secure the job at Purdue, but has uh, exceeded expectations so far. Junior wide receiver Jeremiah Hunter and junior running back Damian Moore project as the top weapons for him on offense this season. On defense, inside linebacker Jackson Sermon, who is the son of Cal defensive coordinator Peter Sermon, looks to lead the defense. He transferred in this offseason as an All-Pac-12 honorable mention performer for the Washington Huskies in the past two seasons. Uh, in the secondary, safety Daniel Scott, the only returning six-year player on the entire team, joined Sermon on the preseason All-Pac-12 unit. In the trenches, Ben Coleman anchors the O-line. Uh, this offseason, he's made the move from guard to left tackle. On defense, star defensive lineman Brett Johnson has made a full recovery. Last year, he suffered a broken hip in a car accident before the year that sidelined him for the entire 2021 season. He is back on the field and looks to be as good as he was before. Up-and-comers from those recruiting classes of the past couple of years that should play key roles for Cal this season include freshman, redshirt freshman wide receivers J. Michael Sturdivant and Maven Anderson, redshirt freshman tight end Jermaine Terry, Junior defensive linemen, a trio of them, Ricky Correa, Ethan Saunders, and Jaden Roberts. 
junior Utah transfer edge Xavier Carlton, sophomore inside linebacker Ulua Femi Oladejo, and junior cornerback Isaiah Young. Cal has the talent level to exceed past production, but will be faced with the challenges of growing pains from its young and new players. Look for this defense to live up to their reputation. We got the three-minute cutoff again. He And he wrote that, too. He was reading that out there. Um, so he said at the end, defense live up the reputation. Sure. Uh, it's been more. Remember, like the Cal teams used to just be like no defense, lots of offense. And Well, from what he was saying about the offensive line, I think that <laughs> may continue into the future. It could be. Uh, there's questions on the offensive line. Also, um, I'm not spots. I'm not sold on Jack Plummer from Purdue. <sighs> yeah, the the non risk taker thing seems like that fits very well yeah. into what, what Wilcox would want to do. Yeah, Brett Johnson's a big did deal. You, did you back. see Chase Garber playing for the Raiders the other day? No, I didn't. Yeah, he's playing for the Raiders the other day. You don't watch the NFL? No, I was in a. I was just you know kind of catching it a little bit while I was at a bar. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, what is he like? Is he going to make the team or no? I don't know. I doubt it. Probably not. I mean, Derek Carr. I mean, he is up. he is one of the best quarterbacks in Pac-12 MVP. history. MVP. Yeah. yeah, he was MVP when he would play. Um, I mean, the biggest deal here is is I don't know if you know this, uh, but there's a guy that they got transferred in Jackson Sermon. <laughs> um, all Pac-12 honorable mention. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of the biggest transfers this conference has ever seen. <laughs> now it's funny that it, it, like it. Like I would bring it up and Dave would just look at me like I don't give a crap. Like whatever. Like his coach's kid. The coach's kid. Blah blah. He's good. He's a good player. Yeah, yeah he's fine. Yeah, but it's just because the joke becoming like <laughs> that you don't care that he's because he's a coach's kid. It doesn't matter. Uh, Brett Johnson's gonna have to play a big role. I think I, if I remember, like he was like in the spring game and like was really kind of funny and stuff. Um, but he's back. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Some people are kind of down on Cal. Like they played better at the end of the season. They had the crappy COVID loss to Arizona. Like they should have been a bowl team last year after yeah. a really crappy start. They've had a couple of. I feel like they could be six of, and six. You know. They've had a couple of really bad luck years under Wilcox, where yeah. they probably should have been better than what their record ended up being. Um, and I think that's similar this year. I mean, they've got two wins in non-conference and then almost a sure loss at Notre Dame, but they'll be two and one. I mean, it's UC Davis at home and UNLV at home. So and I think they can go like four and five in the Pac-12. Like I can't see why not. I mean, I think this is a bull team. I I think so too. But there's there's more people I think like thinking Cal's gonna suck than like Arizona State's gonna suck. And I'm just I don't get it. Like yeah, well, and they're definitely gonna be better than Stanford. Uh, yeah, like Stanford's gonna be god awful. Like they're just gonna be just just awful. Yeah. Right. Like I I would be shocked if we were wrong about that. Shocked. Like, yeah. Cal? I haven't been wrong in like four straight years on Stanford. They've been bad every year. <laughs> Even when they were four and two, they were bad. That, yeah, the one four and two year, like everyone. That was amazing, though, because they were, weren't even practicing at home. But they were such trash that season, and they miraculously went yeah. four and two. Crazy. Uh, but thanks, uh, Jackson, for putting that in there. We'll see. I'm a little more bullish on Cal than I think some people, but I think they're like a There'll be a fun middle to the conference, you know, and I think yeah. Cal's going to get they're going to win some and lose some, you know, and, you know, if they're just one game under 500 in conference, like they're going to a bowl. And I don't I don't think that's um, 
anything that's too hard to achieve. All right, next up, let's talk about the Oregon Ducks. We had a uh, Matt Prem call in. Now I actually did some editing because you were late. So he he went over and to give him credit, kind of seamlessly went like called back and just continued. He didn't call back and say, "Oh, by the way, I got cut off the last." You know, so like you would have to like edit all that stuff out. Not that I would have anyway, but I edited these together. So you're going to hear one continuous thing, but it's credit to him because it was, he just, he called back and just continued for another 30, not like two minutes, like another 30 Major seconds. credit to you is that you pronounced his last name correctly. I did. Uh, now, all right. Well, here's our Oregon preview. The Oregon Duck football season enters 2022 with mixed expectations, but yet high expectations. Dan Lanning, first year head coach assumes maybe on paper one of the most talented rosters out west uh, in the country certainly will have a run for in the Pac-12. But there's looming questions. New quarterback has to be decided. Bo Nix from Auburn is a transfer who comes into a program as the perceived favorite to win the job. Uh, the offensive line is all intact. Five starters back from that group. New tight ends, new wide receivers, new running backs. Travis Dye off to USC opens the door for competition at running back, while graduation and early departures for the NFL at receiver have allowed some of the younger Duck receivers an opportunity to play in 2022. The expectation for the offense, more explosive this season than in years past under Mario Cristobal. Offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham has really emphasized explosion plays, pushing tempo, Oregon's offense could look more like what it did under Mark Helfrich or Willie Taggart uh, with offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham calling the shots there. Defensively, this is going to be one of Oregon's best units. Uh, Noah Sewell is an all-American linebacker. Justin Flo is the program's highest-rated commit in program history. If he's healthy, he should form the best linebacker duo in the conference. They should have a discussion at the country level as well with Sewell and Flo. But staying healthy is, is hard for Flo. He's missed uh, – he's played in just two games for Oregon over two seasons. Two different injuries have kept him out of the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Up front, Brandon Dorless is another potential all-conference first-team player really shined behind the shadow of Kayvon Thibodeau, and uh, Oregon's coaches have called him the alpha of this unit going into the 2022 season. But it doesn't start – it doesn't end with Dorless along the defensive line. Popo, Amavi, uh, Jordan Riley, and, and Casey Rogers, two transfers from, the, from Nebraska, have made big impressions. Uh, Taki Tiamani, a, a starter defensive lineman from Washington, is now in the fold at Oregon. Uh, Keon Ware Hudson's health being healthy now this season is also going to be a big plus for Oregon there. Secondary has a lot of questions, a lot of new faces. All-American Verone McKinley is gone. So is Mikhail Wright. DJ James was expected to be the primary cornerback. He transferred to Auburn. Oregon landed Christian Gonzalez from Colorado this offseason. He's going to have an opportunity to maybe be the second-best cornerback in the country. Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill, two guys who have had success at Oregon in the secondary, are both back. Bennett, though, missed most of last season with an injury, but was on pace to have an all-conference type season before he was lost due to that injury right before Stanford week five of that football season last year. Overall, Oregon's season should be one in which where they compete for the conference championship. Is it unrealistic to say that, that they have to win the league to have a good year? Probably. 
I, I, I would think nine wins should be viewed as a good season for Oregon before a bowl game. Potential to, to get that to 10 in the regular season seems fair. Anything more than that, though, might be a little too high of an expectation for first-year head coach Dan Laney. But nonetheless, getting to the conference championship game for a fourth time in four years is going to be very expected for this Oregon football program under Dan Laney. Okay. Um Oh, do you, what do you what do you could, think about that? Could you even tell he just went right through? No, that was seamless. Yeah, he was very seamless. I was trying to pick it out. Um, so, what do you think? Uh, nine wins? Do you think that's uh, do you think that's the 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 standard for Oregon this year? I'm just not as high on Oregon um, than probably most. All right, so here I think they're really talented. Let me give people the schedule. Okay, let's look at the schedule. So Georgia is going to be tough. That's that's an taking L. place in Georgia. That's an L. Yes. Uh, so that's that's, that's a, an L that could demoralize you. <laughs> they get BYU at home in non-conference as which, well, which it, isn't going to be easy. Uh, when's the last time BYU lost to a Pac-12 team? Was it like in the nineties? <laughs> well, it's been a while. Well, and and like the other non-conference game is Eastern Washington, and how many times have we seen oh Eastern gosh. Washington take down a Pac-12 team? So yeah, they'll beat Oregon, and then Oregon will take their quarterback <laughs> next year, right? Like that's usually how it works. That's the way this like works. That. Yeah. Uh, now, to the good news side of things, Oregon, uh, as we talked about, there are three good teams in the Pac-12. Um, Oregon's one of them. They only have to play one of the other ones. Right. Uh, and they so, get them home. Yeah, they get Utah home, which, okay. And they haven't played Utah for a while, right? <laughs> I don't remember what. <laughs> I was going to get to it. Um, you got to hope that uh, Utah doesn't score 38 on them, like, the last couple of times. I think, okay, because we're both idiots. The last, last year... When they played in the regular season, I was all over Utah in this one. I was like and then you hammering flipped. Utah, and you were like picking Oregon. I'm like, you are such a freaking idiot. Uh-huh. And uh, then Utah was favored. I'm like, okay, I'll take Oregon. I think they were getting like seven points right. or something. And then I was the idiot. And you're yeah. like, no way. I just saw what happened. This was only a couple of weeks ago. Somehow I bought into that. Like, So if you're buying nine wins, you have to say they're losing to Georgia and Utah, and they're only losing one more to Eastern Washington, BYU, Washington State, Stanford, Arizona, UCLA, Cal, Washington, Colorado, and Oregon State. They have to play Oregon State on the road, which, you know, in a rivalry game actually does matter. Oregon State didn't lose at home last year. Yeah, but... But they have half stadium this year, so... Yeah. On the good side, they only have four conference road games. The rest are all at home. True. Well, like UCLA could be tough. Actually, no, I, I'm I'm wrong on that. It's five. So oh. they, they, it's the year with five. You're very close. There's only two options <laughs> if you took the wrong one. <laughs> I took the wrong one. Way to. <laughs> I nailed it. Okay. Very good. Um, at least you brought, you know, you brought some facts to the table that weren't true, but you brought facts. <laughs> I did. I'm looking at a thing that I was a- unable to visualize correctly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I think they're going to be good. I mean, the talent, I think, is there. Like, there's concerns with the secondary. Having their offensive line back is great, but like, you're replacing a bunch of skill guys. I don't. I'm not a huge Bo Nix guy. Um, if he ends up winning the job, no and, mix. And they got, they got coaches that are known for recruiting, and not necessarily coaching. Their offensive coordinator, like hasn't really called plays, right? And their head coach is a first-time head coach. And I, I feel like there's enough questions about, you know, like Tosh Lepoy, like he's your defensive coordinator. I know you're like Landanning is your guy, but like 
Okay. So, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that you're like, oh, that guy knows, is known for recruiting. Like, the first thing you say, you don't say he's known for developing players or, like, putting up great schemes or anything like that. So, And we've never seen Kenny Dillingham call a play. There's just so much newness. Yeah. Uh, but talent does trump a lot of stuff, and they still have a great roster. So maybe you can overcome it. And, you know, and if Landanning is just like a, a stud head coach and, you know, that we just haven't seen before, they're going to, I think they're going to need that. If you're going to win like 10 games or something, it's going to have to be like coaching is going to be involved, you know? Absolutely. I'm just not sure it's, I'm just not sold. I don't think they're going to be bad, but I'm just not, I'm not picking them to be, I would have USC above them in the polls. Yeah. Um, but the polls have had Oregon second, which, you know, they were, you look at the record from last year, certainly better, but I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But I don't know. Any other thoughts on Land Dannings? It's funny if you listen to another Pac-12 podcast, and so I think they tr- almost screw it up sometimes because they listen to, to us, and it, it's in their mind to say Land Danning. Well, that's his name. <laughs> Good old Land Danning. Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, let's go to Washington State Cougars. And again, apologize. We don't have the the growl anymore i, I gotta find it somewhere um but it's off the board <laughs> we'll, right we'll see if they earn it yeah I, I like what they're doing like i'm i'm probably a little higher on uh the cougs than some others but uh let's go uh i think we have i think it was barry bolton that did this here we go hey this is jamie Vinick from kookfan.com i just nope. wanted to offer a preview of washington state this year <clears throat> so the storylines i think to watch for the cougars will be uh, the air raid offense making its return to Washington State, but a little bit of a variation than what Mike Leach used to run. Uh, there will be tight ends back. There will be a little more of an emphasis on the run game. Uh, Jake Dickert and Eric Morris calling it the coup grade rather than the air raid, but still will be a pass-heavy offense. Uh, within that offense, uh, Cameron Ward's going to be the primary focus of starting quarterback uh, with a big-time get from uh, from Incarnate Ward. Has looked the part through the spring and now into fall camp. Um, the definite starter has been already named as such. Uh, and then in the wide receiver game, the guys to watch were Renard Bell, Dijon Stribling, uh, Lincoln Victor, and Donovan Ollie. Those will be the four starters with Orion Peters kind of being the, the fifth guy in there. Um, and, and those guys kind of expected to try and fill the void of what Washington State lost with Calvin Jackson Jr. and Travell Harris. Uh, they certainly have the talent to do so. Uh, it's a question of it'll probably be more of a by committee than having really two standout wide receivers as they did last year. Uh, the run game will be intriguing. Nikia Watson is likely going to be the starter, a Wisconsin transfer, but it also could be a situation where Jalen Jenkins plays a pretty big role. He's coming off a pretty massive game in, uh, in the scrimmage that Washington State had on Saturday, um, and he should be involved in some way. He ran for over 120 yards, uh, extremely fast, a change of pace guy that they don't have um, out through the outside of him. The offensive line will be a pretty big question. Uh, they have a few injuries right now, but uh, should be healthy by the time the season starts. Um, they lost a lot with uh, Abe Lucas, Liam Ryan, Brian Green, and Kate Beresford all gone. But they do have some veterans here at Kingston, Connor Dominus especially. They add Grant Stevens from Northern Colorado. Uh, on defense, uh, you know, the story is going to be the pass rush. Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson are back. Should be one of the better edge duos in the conference. Um, they've beefed up a little bit in the middle. A lot more guys kind of pushing 300 pounds. They've added Nisi Milani, who should be a pretty good pass rusher um, from the interior part of the line. At linebacker, they lose Jahad Woods and Justice Rogers. But do replace, uh, at least Woods with Dayon Henley. Transfer from Nevada was all Mountain West last season. Uh, turnover machine, really kind of a, a hybrid linebacker more so than maybe Woods and Rogers were. And then they'll have uh, Travion Brown and Francisco Mangoa filling in at the Mike spot. Uh, Mangoa looks to be kind of in the lead for that starting role. 
On the back end, they lose George Hicks, Daniel Isom, and Jalen Watson. Uh, Watson will be the biggest loss at corner, and then they also lost Caleb Ford to Met, uh, for the season with a shoulder injury. But they pretty much have a set four guys of Derek Langford, Chris Jackson, Shaw Smith, Wade, and Cam Lampkin to fill in at corner. Uh, Jordan Lee will take over at strong safety. They still have Armani Marsh at nickel. And then the free safety battle looks to be uh, pretty heavily in favor of Adrian Shepard right now, but Sam Lockett is also involved as well. I uh, hope that answers some questions and gives you guys a good preview of Washington State. This is Jamie Vinnick from CoopFan.com. I love that. was good. That was great. That um, was tight. Had some key points. I like it. It was great. Um, yeah, I mean, so changing back to the air raid um, with some question marks up front, not so great. Um, but you have to think there's some continuity within the program still, like from the end of the leech days, right? Yeah, you kind of, you kind of it's like in the back of your mind. You remember, oh, I used to do this. Yeah, uh, this used to be a thing. I was recruited for this. Um, I'm excited to see Cameron Ward. I, Unbelievably excited. Yeah, I want to see what this looks like because I uh, wish they had a week zero game. It would be awesome if Washington State Cameron Ward week zero some against somebody like. Yeah, why don't we have a week zero game this year? I don't know. I'm not it's sure. Just nobody's playing uh, Larry, Hawaii. Larry Scott, I guess. Yeah, we're gonna blame Larry Scott. Uh, uh, look at the schedule. Well, they knew USC and UCLA were gonna leave, so they didn't want to <laughs> give them. Week, I don't know. Look at the schedule. Washington State, they've got Colorado State and Idaho at home. You know, those are probably the two more likely wins. And then it's Wisconsin on the road, probably likely loss. Fair? Yeah. Fair. And one. I don't know. Bowl team seems possible. I think so, for sure. Yeah. I think I would say there's a bowl team. Um, you know, I like the fact that they're going to run. They have a defensive-minded coach. They're going to run a coup grade where you're going to actually run the ball a little bit and you're going to have tight ends like, but it'll still be pass happy, which is, it'll be fun. It's just, you're going to have some of those yeah. more physical elements. Uh, yeah. It's concerning that the offensive line isn't, uh, you know, kind of, it's kind of getting rebuilt, but you're, they're going to get the ball out quick. You know, you don't always necessarily, um, you know, need that offensive line. It's just going to like keep the pocket there for five seconds or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned at all. Yes. They lost a couple studs at wide receiver, I've never like worried about a Washington State wide receiver. There's going to be some dudes that you never heard of, and then you're going to look like, who's that guy? Who's the dude in the slot? And it's just like, well, he runs out and catches a billion passes. Like, hundred yeah. percent, that's going to happen. Totally, that's like going to happen. The one, the one problem is that they get the USC slash Utah end of that rotation, yes. and they avoid Colorado and UCLA. Not good. They, they, Colorado's have to, not I mean, they, they have to play the three good teams in the Pac-12 this year. Right. And and they play they, – well, they miss UCLA. They miss UCLA. Who's a potential good team. Uh, with Where are they one of the, the best AP head coaches. Where are they in the AP poll? 42nd? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't think the AP poll means much when it talk about that. Like, they don't understand. Hey, actually, you could have ended that at much. <laughs> uh, so – I think, you know, you're talking about like Jake Dicker. They're going to have a good pass rush. They're, I think they can be disruptive enough on defense that you can cause some teams some problems and they'll score points, you know. And it's going to be one of those things where they get on a roll offensively. Even a good team, they get a couple sacks, like a sack fumble, and all of a sudden that good team is chasing and it's a little different. You know, I, I feel like they're going to lose some games Maybe they get pushed around a little bit, but they're going to probably beat some teams that you could argue are better, you know, on paper and stuff. So I think it's a real dangerous kind of team. That's like, I feel like a six, six, seven, and five thing is it makes sense. I don't know what the Vegas line is on their um, 
over under win total, but I I would definitely I think I'm going to pick this team to go bowling. So yeah, I think that's right. Let's see, Pac-12 win totals for this season. Let's see, where's where is Washington State? Washington State, uh, five and a half. Yeah, so I think I would take the over on that. Yeah, I'll go over. Yeah, what the hell? Um, but you know, we'll see what happens with uh, the Cougs. New head coach, but there is continuity. He was around the program. He got to take over as the interim, and you know, he's widely liked. Uh, the Cameron Ward thing. There are going to be people watching. Like you've you've heard national reporters who maybe don't even like touch the Pac-12 that much say, I need to watch Washington State because I want to see what Cameron Ward can do. Like he's throwing, if you ever watch any of the tape, like the arm angles are like from all over the place. Like he's just a fun, it's like a Patrick Mahomes kind of thing where you just like, you play the game a little bit differently than, than other people. And when it works, it's like really fun looking. Now they'll probably screw up and make some mistakes, but I think he's going to be fun to watch. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm really curious about this one. We have Stanford Cardinal. Our buddy Jackson's back. I just called him back and said, hey, I forgot you do Stanford too. Can you call back? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll do it right now. Um, I think he had three tries at this voicemail. Not to call him out, but I just called him out, I guess. But uh, he's very accommodating. Everyone, we thank all of the, everyone for calling in because I know it takes some time. You got to prepare and you got to stop it at three minutes and all that. But Here's what we got for the Stanford Cardinal. The Stanford Cardinal come off of a 3-9 season that ended with seven consecutive losses, including L's of 52-7 to Utah, 41-11 to rival Cal, and 45-14 to rival Notre Dame, all at home. After two losing seasons in the last three years and seemingly hitting rock bottom last November, Stanford has naturally made zero changes to its coaching staff, not one. And with the strict transfer rules at Stanford, the Cardinal only acquired one addition via the transfer portal. <laughs> at the same time, many fifth- and sixth-year seniors landed at other schools due to difficulties of Stanford grad school requirements and instead hit the portal. With all that being said, Stanford has hopes for a resurgence. Coach Shaw says the staff started over from the ground up in philosophy and has made some key changes they aim to keep close to the vest until the season. Stanford was also decimated by injuries in both 2021 and 2019. There was a promising 4-2 COVID season wedged in between. Now the Cardinal is as healthy as they have been heading into fall camp for four years and have expectations of being a much-improved squad. Quarterback Tanner McKee, projected by some as a first-round draft pick, now has a season under his belt and gives the Cardinal an advantage at QB. Stanford gets back star receivers Michael Wilson and Bryson Tremaine. They missed most of last season with injury. They lead. They join leading receiver Elijah Higgins and star tight end Benjamin Urasek as four key weapons for the Cardinal. On defense, Stanford gets back star safety Jonathan McGill. He is another who missed nearly all of last season. The secondary also includes prized NFL draft pick projection Caillou Blue Kelly at cornerback who opted to come back for another year, and safety Patrick Fields who was a three-year starter for the Oklahoma Sooners. However. The Cardinals still has big question marks at positions that have been staples for this program at its height. Trenches have been rough, and Stanford's top two running backs both bolted for the transfer portal. Junior E.J. Smith, the son of Emmett Smith, is projected to lead the running game. He will be behind an O-line that returns its entire group of personnel, but is unsure if that's a good thing after the way that they performed last season. On defense, the trademark physical Stanford front seven was actually its weakest unit on the 2021 team. 
and last year's team sported four senior defensive linemen who took nearly all the reps. The Cardinal now have to trot out players on the interior D-line with virtually no college experience. It is also a unit that is one of the weakest recruited in terms of the rankings. Stanford also returns veterans on the edge and linebacker positions, another group that underperformed last year and needs to improve. But they do have three four-star freshmen on the edge who could be different makers, led by top 50 recruit David Bailey. Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson said this team, the, the healthy Stanford team could be the most talented in the Pac-12, but with some key critical concerns, they could face struggles once again in 2022. Jackson, I love his intro. Oh my God, that was deadpan brilliance. Yeah, uh, lost their last seven games. <laughs> lost the last three by a combined like ninety-seven points. Oh, by the way, they were all at home, <laughs> and they were all at home, <laughs> and they made no coaching changes, <laughs> and they only got one guy in the transfer portal. However, they think they might have the best team in the Pac-12 this year. <laughs> Those were all things that were said in that three minutes. <laughs> They're gonna be so bad. <laughs> Because <laughs> if you remember all the way back to last year, guys, they were saying this same dog shit then. Oh, my God. They yeah. were all like, oh, David Shaw's like, I've got the best offensive line I've ever had. And I feel really good about it. Yeah. How'd that work out? It was awful. They were terrible all year. So bad. I do love the fact that the staff, you know, so they didn't change. So, okay, we sucked last year, right? All the things Jackson said, just terrible. Uh we're not going to change the staff, but what we're going to do is we're going to start from the ground up and we're going to make secret changes that you're not going to know about. Now, sure, anyone could get a real offensive coordinator to come in and call plays. <laughs> what we're going to do is take the existing one that was terrible and we're going to go to a meeting. We're going to do different stuff that you won't be able to notice, but it's completely different. And then we're going to go from there. And that's going to make a big difference. Profit. It's like, holy cow. It's like you're starting another religion or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you're like, yeah. like I found this book in the, 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 in the religion, desert. The and, religion of cronyism. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, dude. Like I'm like tripling down on they're going to be bad now. Like this. <laughs> They're going to be so bad. <laughs> Lance Anderson and Davida Pritchard have now been there so long. Very, very long time. So the secondary should be pretty good. Like they'll have a good secondary. Uh but the front seven, what he said, they had like four seniors and <laughs> yes. they're gone. And they were terrible last year. Like, they, like so maybe it helps that they're gone. I don't know. Um, you got Emmett Smith's son. Hey. Yeah. Okay. So there's now we're that. Cooking. There's that. Uh, lots of people. I mean, it's just some of the stuff is not rocket science, right? Like, you don't have to be a Stanford grad to figure out, like, all right, we had a whole bunch of people. Like, we're bad last year, just bad. Didn't make any changes. Uh, we lost a bunch of dudes, like the ones that were doing pretty good. We lost most of them. We we brought one in, like we didn't replace, like you no, know, numbers wise, like amazing. we lost twenty and and added one. Like that doesn't help. David Shaw is returning Stanford to its roots. Like he is returning it to what he remembered it was before Jim Harbaugh came and infected it with success. He. <laughs> He's returning this to like the Trent Edwards era of Stanford, Ooh. where you have a good quarterback and nothing else. Mm. L quite literally, nothing else. Yeah. Like Tanner McKee will be drafted after this team goes two and ten. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. 
Uh, I'm not going to have as much fun. Okay, so if Stanford's bad, which we both think they will be, I'm not going to have as much fun as I did last year because it was it was more of a roller coaster, right? Like they did have to lose. They went three and nine, but they did have to lose seven straight to get there. It was three and two at some point. And yeah. when I was saying they are terrible, they are butt. They are like you know, and they had beaten Oregon. Yeah, we had a tough time. They had beaten USC. We realized USC's to t- to replay, and I don't know what the hell happened in the Oregon game. They, their Joe Moorhead was out. But yeah, like it, then it was just like, it was like, uh, I don't know, like you bought Bitcoin or something and it kind of dipped for a while and then it just like went through the roof. Like it just felt good to like ride that wave of like people having to call in Zodiac killer, like, okay, Stanford's butt, <laughs> like you were right, Stanford's butt. I, I mean this and the schedule is just, <laughs> it's not good. They're, they're so done, dude. It's just, it's yeah. not good. Uh, but there, I mean, there are some studs. You know, McGill's good, uh, Blue Kelly, I mean, but not good enough to, like, carry a team. No, especially one coached this poorly. Yes. But, now, you would assume you'd make some coaching changes, right, when you go? No. But no? Oh, no. fuck. Okay. None of those. All right, we got one last preview. We saved, like, the best for last. Utah Utes. I made, I made, I'm not going to lie, sent a few emails out. Maybe I have old email addresses. I'm not sure. Some people don't respond to emails. Who's that? Um, I don't know. I'm just saying, like trying to get someone from the, the Ute Zone to call in for a preview. You'd think this would be the one you're going to call in for. Like they went to the Rose Bowl and everything. I finally, luckily, like 10 minutes before we taped, Steve Bartle, I saw him on Twitter and I DM'd him like, dude, did you get my email? And he's like, was it this email? I'm like, I don't know. I sent you your email, whatever it is. And, uh, but he called in. He had, a, he had a double take, so he got cut off once, uh, but he came in and, and called back again. Uh, so we appreciate it. We want, you know, we could have given you the Utah preview just by saying, okay, they're going to be good. Uh, Cam Rising is a stud. Uh, Clark Phillips is awesome, all that stuff. Okay, but let's get to our real preview. Here you go. Uh, yeah. Is this Brian, some guy named David in Podcast of Champions? I've never heard of it, but anyways, I was asked to call and <laughs> and leave a, uh, a voicemail about Utah football in the upcoming season. I love talking Utah football. Um, let's uh, let's start with Kyle Whittingham. You know, he's a guy that's taken a program from a G5 to a Power 5 conference champion. He's looking to repeat and lead the way for this program into 2022. Um, you know, what's made Kyle Whittingham so great is he knows exactly the type of program he wants, the type of players that will succeed uh, in that in his program, and They've done a good job of curating a roster that fits his vision and what he wants in a program and what he wants to embody. Uh, the addition of Andy Ludwig just a couple years ago has been uh, just a wonderful revelation for him and, and for the offensive side of the ball, which has been a bit lacking over the years, uh, in, in, especially in the early years of the Pac-12. But since Andy Ludwig has, uh, has returned to Utah, he's done a fantastic job. Uh, you look at 2019 with Tyler Huntley, his development there and, and the impact there. Cameron Rising had a breakout performance last year, his first year starting 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns to just five interceptions for Utah to really kind of take that next step. Most important thing is for Cameron Rising to continue his evolution and development as a quarterback and to take that next step as a premier uh, signal caller. Uh, and so it's going to be dependent. That's going to be largely dependent upon the skilled players around him, and Utah has some good tight ends in Dalton Kincaid and Brian Keithy, as well as 
know, some emerging pass catchers in Devon Vele, Solomon Enos, and others. But Utah's going to need some players to emerge in that wide receiving corps. Potentially Makai Cope, potentially Money Parks could be those types of players that Utah needs to take that next step. Obviously, when you're talking Utah, you're talking run game. And with uh, the run game, you've got Tavion Thomas, who scored 21 touchdowns last year, just an absurd amount of, of scoring there for him. You have Makai Bernard, uh, who returns Chris Curry, Charlie Vincent as well. But Utah's added a dynamic true freshman in Jalen Glover out of Florida, who uh, looks to be in, in good shape for RB2 responsibilities to fill in for TJ Pledger, who went on to the NFL. Along the offensive line, uh, Utah started rough last year, but they appear in, in much better shape this year. Defensively, Clark Phillips looks to be the guy to take the lead, take the mantle of, of playmaking uh, in the secondary. Cole Bishop, another young guy. Uh, Utah's going to need linebackers, Mahmoud Diabate, Kareni Reed, Lander Barton to emerge. And then defensively, along that front, Utah's going to be aggressive with big bodies in the trenches, some athletic uh, bodies on the edges. Uh, look for Utah to be... They got cut off, but uh, yeah, that was good stuff. Steve, thanks. Yeah, what, what do you call us? Uh, Brian and David. He got oh. my name right. I thought. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, boom. But that's all our previews. Yeah. Any thoughts on the Utes? Like, you know, some. I concur. They're going to be really good. They're going to be good. Yeah. Uh, you don't have Charlie Brewer starting. You got Cam Rising. He's got a whole bunch of NIL deals. He's going to be happy. Those yeah. locks are flowing. I got to see him at the – talk to him a little bit at Pac-12 Media Day. I'm high on the Utes. Yeah. I mean, they've got like a tough one. They got to go at Florida to start the year. They got San Diego State in the non-conference. But, I mean, if ever they're going to make a run, like a real run at a playoff, um, you got to schedule something like that. So, yeah. you know, see That's if you a good one. Florida. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's as important – I guess last year when Oregon went and – one at Ohio State. That was huge. We thought the UCLA-LSU game would be huge. Um, was it not? I mean, it was at the time. But then LSU turned out to be kind of crappy and stuff. But Oh, yeah. And But UCLA was better. They were a real team. Uh, this is, though, different. Like, this is the flagship program in your station. I mean, your station in your conference right now. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that went to the Rose Bowl. And... This you're going to play a middle of the road, talented but middle of the road SEC team. Yeah, on the road, but you got to go and get that win. If Utah loses at Florida, like it pretty much delegitimizes the entire conference. Wow, I think unless I think- unless Oregon or USC or UCLA or somebody like emerges as we're better, like Utah's just not that good. We're better. Uh, like Oregon beats if Oregon beats Georgia or something. Like okay, that that trumps everything, but. That seems very less likely. Like, I don't usually go in for the narrative stuff, like this kind of big picture stuff, especially early season, just because I don't think it. So, because to that point, if Utah loses this game, but USC turns out to be a world beater, then nothing got delegitimized. I mean, if Utah loses this game, they could easily still go ten and two, um, and that's. But we need for the Pac-12. You need them to be like playoff yeah, contender kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, sure you do. Um, but I don't know. I think they take the they take the conference less seriously for the rest of the season. Look, is the conference going to be shit again this year? Probably. <laughs> um, but if it's not, it, it could still be good and still have Utah be ten and two, USC be ten and two, and Oregon be nine and three, and it could yeah. still be a good conference. Um, That's true. It just 
I, I would, like last year, if you remember, the first few weeks, there was playoff talk because right. Oregon beat Ohio State. Like, right, exactly. That's what you want. Like, I feel like that talk all goes away if Utah loses. Yeah, but honestly, nothing in season is going to dominate the talk the way that what happened on June 30th is going to dominate the talk. True. Like, okay. I, I think the legitimacy of the Pac-12 is sort of a bygone thing at this point. I'm I trying think, to be. I'm trying to. No, no, but we still the, do the podcast of champions well, yeah, David, but for my, a little while. My point is, for the reality of the league, um, there's still. I mean, there's potential for this to still be a very good league, but it's it's dependent on Utah being good, not necessarily Utah beating Florida. I don't want to. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't want to pin too much on Utah going in at one o'clock into the friggin' swamp and coming out with a win as like the either the harbinger of doom or the ultimate you know victory i mean it could very well be the same thing as oregon having beaten ohio state last year where it ends up being a, a it didn't matter basically it, like was it that like the indiana jones thing the theory like you know if he wasn't there the whole it didn't matter yeah, yeah no <laughs> um i thought it came up for another time i thought about yeah that, that came up on that. the literally the last episode we no did. i know but i mean it's in, in this past week like it came up some other time yeah. or something like that i i really do think it I mean, I feel like it's a just a really important it's hard to imagine a more important game for the conference in general. Like I just feel like you need some wins you're the Pac twelve. Like there's just been all the offseason talk. I'm the Pac twelve? No, if you're the Pac twelve. Am I the Pac twelve? Yes, you are. You need some wins, David. You've it's you've had a rough you've had a rough eight months. Um it's been tough. Your 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 best friend, your partner <laughs> stabbed you in the back. It's a, <laughs> You thought you had like this deal, this handshake deal, and he just stole your girlfriend right from her. Both. You had two girlfriends. They stole them both. Um, it's rough. You were like, you were riding high. You didn't realize what you had. Um, <laughs> but for the, I, that game is so, like, if when Oregon goes to Atlanta, and if they get rolled by Georgia, it's like they're the defending national champions. Like, I don't think it makes that much of an impact, but. Utah is what we're all picking to win the conference, you know, and this is a middle of the road SEC team. They're not going to be like in the top five of the SEC. The best Pac-12 team has to go on the road and beat that team. It's just that to me, you just got to beat that team. You can't lose to the middle of the road team. And that, you know, the conference can come back and all that stuff, but it's just, there's not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to the Pac-12, you know, you kind of need that starter so you can always go back to it, but I don't know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that could. Uh, I, I think there's a there's a reasonable case there. I'm just saying, no more or less than. Um, I mean, it's Florida is. It's one of those classic things where they're pretty good. They're going to have like SEC level talent and all that kind of junk. It's the road game atmosphere. It's all that nonsense. Utah could lose that game and still make the playoff. Like there's, there's, yeah, you know, they absolutely could. If they go eleven and one and they lose that game, they make the playoff. Oh my god, I don't think so. Hard guarantee. Okay, Florida would have to like be in the the SEC no. championship game. No, no. Okay, so Florida doesn't make the SEC's championship game. All right, and Utah goes eleven so, and one in the regular Utah goes season and, and wins the Pac-12. So championship. there's two teams in the SEC, at least two teams that are better than Florida. Mm-hmm. Both of them are going to go to the playoff. Meh. Ohio State's going to go to the playoff. Not necessarily. Two SEC teams are going to the playoff in that scenario. Well, Florida's not better than. There's two teams better than the team that yeah, beat Utah. How often are they doing it like that? 
I mean, like last year, or I mean, I don't know, like that. If there's a, if they're it's both the, have you're one doing loss, transitive property of sports here. If they do one, if they each have one loss, like it's going to be hard for Utah to overtake them, knowing that Utah already lost to. We saw this a couple of years ago when was it Oregon lost to Auburn? I think Washington. Oh, did did Oregon finish as a one loss team that year? No, no. I mean, and to be fair, if Utah goes on the road and loses to Florida, they're probably not going to be a one loss team. But I think it makes it a lot harder. If they they are one loss team, any SEC one loss team is it's a that didn't win the conference is probably going to be picked ahead of them. Yeah, but the likelihood of there being a SEC team that only has one loss, so that they're so essentially what you're saying is there are two undefeated SEC teams going into their SEC title game is minimal, at best. Yeah. Well, we'd get tested if there was like like Alabama like was like eleven and one. <laughs> And George, say Alabama and Georgia are both like 11 and 1 or something. They both beat the crap out of Florida. And they meet in the SEC title game. Mm-hmm. And one of them loses. Mm-hmm. Do you pick the loser that's two loss, 11 and 2 over Utah that's 11 and 1? Like, I could see that happening. Well, yeah. I, okay. So should I say it's an absolute guarantee that they get in as an 11 and 1? Maybe not. But right. I would say it's overwhelmingly likely that they would still be a college football playoff team if they were 11 and 1. I think it, it's likely they'd be in contention. I don't think it'd be likely they'd get in. Oh, I yeah, we completely disagree. Okay. Um I mean, like if and it depends. What if Clemson is good or Oklahoma's good or something, you know? Like even like an 11 and 1, say it's a 11 and 1 Baylor. Say Utah goes 11 and 1, 12 and 1, they win the championship. Um Baylor goes 11 and 1, 12 and 1, they win the Big 12 championship. I mean, you're going to pick Baylor over Utah? Well, like, it depends on how binary it gets, but there's always stuff that shakes out, and there's it's been a rare, rare instance where every single conference champion has been one loss or better. Um, there's been a lot of two-loss action in there. There has. There's, there's been some of that. Um, I just feel like you kind of lose tiebreakers when you – like they're 11-1, but I don't think they're winning a lot of tiebreakers because of that loss to Florida. That would be the thing. So it depends how are there going to be a bunch of tiebreakers. Like I think a Baylor goes in over them. You know, to argue what you're arguing, you would have to argue essentially that a Pac-12 team always needs to go completely undefeated to make the college football playoff, which is provably false. No, I wouldn't say they have to be, but just that loss would look worse because you're playing the best conference, but a middle of the road team from that conference, and you lost. You know, that's. That's the only issue I have, but whatever. We'll see. I mean, that's hypothetical. We haven't played a game yet. But overall, Utah, great tight ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meh, wide receivers. Great quarterback. Awesome running back who just scores touchdowns. Uh, need some help at linebacker. Absolutely. Do you know Oregon, uh, when they made the playoff in 2014, they lost to Arizona at home? Mm. Pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I just think the reputation was different then, too. Our conference doesn't have the best reputation. I don't know if you noticed this. I'm just we don't have the best reputation. Yeah, I'm just saying an 11-1 Utah team is going to have some juice at that point. Gotcha. Especially coming into the season as a legitimate contender. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think we only have like two questions, and I don't know if one of them is a question. Is it? Let me see. No, one of them is just announcing himself. Oh, okay. So that's oh so carson he was the one that did a review last week right yeah so we need to uh, uh whenever we get those gift cards we need to send him one okay so he put them up there all right remind us carson uh or chris uh 
Yeah. Let us know. We don't, we don't have the gift cards yet, but I would like to do that. All right. You want me to read Thomas's? Sure. NIL versus T-A-N-S-T-A-A-F-L. I don't know what that is. Neither do I. Hey, guys. Listening to the most recent episode of the podcast last week, it occurred to me that for as much ink is spilled debating NIL, I have yet to hear anyone explain how the existing system can function as effectively a free lunch for all parties involved. While I know both of you don't want to get into such fascinating topics as the tax code during the show, wow, uh, I bring this up because if the nascent legalization of previously illicit activities like selling pot and sports betting has shown us that there ain't no free market like the black market. In other words, even if NIL sanctioned stipends or having college football players become employees are more lucrative options in the long run for players to pursue, they both still require a lot of work. But perhaps more importantly, a lot more work than your school's starting safety, pulling some unmarked bills out of a coffee cup delivered to his doorstep. Yes, it's true. Big name collectives busy stockpiling money and cutting demo tapes are making the same mistake as the Pac-12 network did in its early years. Namely, they overlooked the fact that the power of intellectual property rights isn't monetizing an activity that already exists, but rather creating new content that the student athlete can own. Donors and message board heroes can sculpt any show game to look like a charity, but they can't force a student to participate in such an organization. The NIL grass, therefore, will always appear greener on the other side, but rarely be the case. Sincerely, Thomas. I could read this email 15 times in a row and not have any idea what Thomas is arguing. What's the term? Uh, word salad? No idea. Like I, I, I was, I was working hard here. I think what he's saying is that because student athletes have to do stuff, that this is. I honestly have no idea. I got nothing. <laughs> do you have any idea what was said here? No. I, well, at first I was, I was focused on the subject, and I don't know what tan stuff is yeah i don't know what that is and i was expect expecting that to be explained but like okay so first ended. first i just want to say like syntactically this is a beautiful thing i bring this up because if the nascent legalization of previously illicit activities like selling pot and sports betting like that phrasing right there first it's opaque like absolutely no idea like <laughs> just throwing in some stuff but also it's kind of got that you know cellar door um like it's just beautiful it, it just sounds good. really yeah, nice yeah. it's just the nascent legalization of previously illicit activities. I love that. It does roll off the tongue. It's well. nice. It, it's very smooth. It's very sibilant. It's, it's, it really, it sounds great. But it's not like the synapses in my brain aren't firing in the way that no, I understand no, 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 what no. that I, means. I have no idea what's going on in this email. None. <laughs> so maybe it's, so there was a black market thing. Um, basically like, look, you can say the collective says you have to go uh, sign autographs at the children's hospital. Sure, sure, sure. But there's going to be someone else just giving you a pile of money for doing nothing. So you'd rather do that? Is that where we're going? I, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Crap. I, I don't. Because the part where he's linking it to the Pac-12 network is the part where it completely veers off course for me. And I'm like, I've got no idea. But even the part about the coffee cups full of money is not like. So here's the thing. Is that a thing too? Like coffee cups? Are, no, no. But here's the thing. Yeah. The collectives are the coffee cups full of money. It's not yes. like they're asking these players to like, oh, for your hundred thousand dollars, we're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to, you know, go work forty hours a week marketing my company. No, it's show up to this one event that you probably would have done otherwise anyway, like some charity crap 
and here's a boatload of money. Turn it across. No, no, but it's like it's like oh yeah, you're gonna go help out with this thing, and uh, you got to stay for like two hours. But it's like an appearance that you would have probably had to do through the school or whatever anyway. And now we're gonna give you fifty grand for it. Yeah, you know, like it's just it's that sort of crap. So I don't think there's any extra burden being placed on the athletes here, except like in the true NIL ways. But that's you know. That's its own thing. If we're talking about the collectives, the collectives are a salary, and it's being a, and it's a salary for paying for playing the sport. Yeah, and they have to put some gloss on it to make it legal, but it's just gloss. So, I I have no idea if that relates to what he's talking about, though. Yeah, I'm, I was confused. So, and if you're... I'm I'm blown away by how confused I am. <laughs> like I'm uh, like as you can hear, like this podcast is definitely not my best work of all time, but. I mean, I still feel like a, the synapses are operating at a high enough level that I should be able to understand this if it is understandable, and it is not. Yeah. Anyway, Thomas, thank you for the emails. Always. Thank you for the email for sure. I, you know, I default that for any kind of uh, when it comes to language things, I'm going to go. That's going to be David's department. So if he's confused, I have no chance. So that's good. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. That's all we got. We didn't I'm re- still trying to suss out the meaning of this email. I love it. Yeah. I love that your, your dedication to the crap. Like, you know, are you going to like watch spring games or pay attention to UC Regent board meetings? No, but I will read this email that makes no sense over and over. Well, until- let's think about some time commitments. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to spend maybe, uh, honestly, this, this one will carry with me for about two minutes afterwards, or I'm still going to be thinking about it, still trying to figure it out. But all told, 10 minutes. I think I'm going to text. Watching a Regents meeting? That's like seven hours, dude. Yeah. That was insane. I'm going to keep texting you and be like, did you ben, figure it out yet? Ben Bolch was hanging out at Luskin Center for that Regents meeting for nine hours yesterday. Wow. Makes a lot of sense, you know. Nuts, dude. All right. Well, Why aren't you covering the Regents meeting? You love that Pac-12 stuff. You like, I, that. You like that action. I mean- the school I cover is going. Doesn't matter what. No one cares. You know, like there's no one trying to stop them. Yeah. Well, why would they? No. It's like eh, they're private. Uh, oh, here's a. There's a. I wanted to ask you this. I forgot about this. Like a hypothetical. Okay. Who? Okay. Here's here's a very likely scenario. The governor, very powerful, might be the president someday. Who knows? Gavin Newsom. Nope. Board of Regents. I mean, a lot of knowledgeable people. Big sports fans, they know what's going on in the sports world. They know what this means for Cal, uh, for the UC Santa Barbara uh-huh. volleyball team. Like, this is important for all this stuff. They block it. UCLA is staying. I'm going. I, I USC, they're going. The rest of the Pac-12, it's the Pac-11. Maybe you had San Diego State, something like this. Who is your co-host on the, the podcast of oh, champions? Damn. Wow. Because I'm, I'm out. Like if you if USC and UCLA aren't together, we can't do this. Oh shit! Okay, I'm gonna be so busy. All count, right, counting I, I, counting bags. Over so there. I think there's there's the other publishers, right? I would say yeah. Like those would like anyone that works for another site. In those are some options, but I'm gonna. So it has to be somebody who's willing to do a lot of work because I don't want to do any. Right. So there's so that limits our options. <laughs> Um, God, who do you think it would be? Arizona's got proximity, so we could go Jason Shear, Chris Cartman. So Shear, 
I mean, Shear's funny. He, but he kind of like he can be very polarizing on. The, he, he can be polarizing even I think beyond the extent to which I am polarizing. Right, in different ways. In different ways. Many people think he's like the the lead get Arizona out of the Pac-12 person. Correct. So he's like advocate, not only advocating, but like really pushing for Arizona to love. Chris to. might almost be too professional. Like you're like, I think uh, somewhat of a professional. He's very serious about, you know, doing a good job. Okay. Which I think would be antithetical. I would put Cartman up there though. He's know? up there. He's up there. He's in the rankings. Yeah. Um, uh, Jackson Moore has clearly shown a willingness. Yeah. Uh, he's he does too many things though. Like he covers Adding, State. But if but if all it takes is a text message to get three minutes from him, like one email probably gets me a a podcast co-host. True, but then he's got to like. I don't know if he has the time. He couldn't do all the work that I would do for this. That's true. That's true. Well, we don't know if Utah uh, if the Ute Zone exists anymore. Steve. Well, Steve. Steve showed some wait, wait, you, some humorous you got, you chops. Got, there. Yes, you got Steve. <laughs> um, Monster Tiger. I mean, pound for pound, he's one of my favorite dudes. You know. Yeah. Like, but if there's a program less relevant to the Pac-12 than like you know Colorado, yeah. Would that would the uh, the POC listeners turn on him? <laughs> I don't think you can turn on Adam or the Colorado. No, but program. just because they're like, oh, we can't talk about Colorado anymore. Like, not that he would, but um, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. It'd be tough to find a, a proper co-host. I legitimately, I'd probably just stop doing it. Uh damn, uh, Angie, Angie, yeah. I kind of feel we need to go north. Yeah, but then I'm just doing it remotely all the time. Are they going to have someone... the soundboard? Are they going to make it sound good? Because I'm not. It's just going to be me yelling at my computer. <laughs> That's true. So you need someone with resources. <laughs> I need somebody work with resources, ethic. work ethic, uh, technolo- technological savvy. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> ideally proximity as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think there's some good. I think there's some good candidates up north, you know. Yeah. What uh fetters? I mean, yeah. they do radio stuff. He they has do. the technology. He does. He has the tools, he has the technology. Or even like so Fetters normally comes on with us, but like you could get Kim, Kim Grenolds, like he's the publisher, I believe. Maybe I would just go solo every single week. You would not do that. Just just you talking. would be bored. No. You would get bored and you wouldn't you wouldn't put anything up because it would take work. <laughs> uh <laughs> I would get so bored so quickly. And honestly, I you know how like when you're editing stuff, you actually do have to listen to it a little bit to see like where things cut off. I can't listen to my voice that long. Uh that would drive me insane. Yeah. So the show will so if the regents get their way. Yeah, the, no. So everyone if you hate the show, root for the regents <laughs> uh doing that. And if you like the show, root for uh, UCLA to go. Because yeah. I think that's the only way this thing's Going forward. Because we'll keep going no matter what happens in some fashion. I don't know what it'll be, whatever, but we'll keep doing a show. But if we split up, I just don't think we could do it. No. It'd be if too If the weird. schools we cover split. You have to watch so many spring games, though, next year or two years from now. <sighs> that's true. Um, but it'll be different. It'll be different spring games. Oh, you that's know? true. And at different times of day. Yeah. I was, I was thinking back on the spring games. It was wild. That some spring games they were like showing all the plays. It was like felt like it was a real game. And other spring games there was like the game was sort of going on in the background. They were just doing interviews with like players from like the nineteen fifties and stuff. And it was just, it was like a wild like 
there wasn't like this production yeah. plan for all the spring games. It was sort of like whatever you wanted to do. Like some of them focused on the game. Some of them focused on all kinds of other crap. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't know them. That's, that's more than I've ever seen of anybody else's spring game. Nice. You know the only spring game I've ever watched is UCLA's? Ever. I'm kind of surprised you watched that one too. I've had to in the past. Yeah. I had to this year. I mean, you do a podcast with the Pac-12. You kind of have to watch those too. <laughs> right? Sure. But you don't. No. Yeah. I also a- cover UCLA. I probably should have watched the Reedens meeting yesterday. Yeah. Didn't do that either. That, that would be something. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. could. No. No. Uh, what's that contract going to be worth? So seven years, like average like $76 million or something like that. Like pretty freaking, it's like a $500 million thing, right? Like, Yeah. The... the- <laughs> The regions deciding not to do that would be um, look. I personally like. I'm very conflicted about the move to the Big Ten, but it would be one of the most fiscally irresponsible things that like the <laughs> the uh, caretakers of the University of California could uh, do. Right, because you're going to send not you're going to send the entire system like sure if you want to take a little bit of money from UCLA's deal and distribute it to the UCs, I think it's probably messed up and sets a bad precedent but you could probably do that that's fine is that what they're gonna do uh i don't think so i don't think they're gonna end up doing anything but um if they did okay that's one thing but to not do this all you're doing is sending all of the athletic departments under like you're you're, right yeah you're basically saying okay well if if we're all gonna sink you gotta sink with us rather than just okay why don't you go be the you know the one who makes some money and we'll figure out what we're doing here uh, because I mean, it's still part of the system. Like you still want UCLA to be solvent, um, right. athletics, uh, Cal isn't, they have to take a bunch of money from campus. They have to, they, they're still way underwater on that, um, stadium loan. Yeah. Like was, it, was there a hearing on Cal doing that stadium? Cause if there was, I don't remember it. No. Um, and, and it's, it's going to be hard when UCLA is like, uh, we just signed a deal that we're going to make. $500 million. We're going to make half a billion dollars in seven years for our athletic department. Yeah. And what they can Should say is... Should we stop is, and say, ah, screw it. We're not going to do that. Well, what they can say is this increases our ability to be fiscally responsible going forward. I mean, we are going to be able to manage our own uh, finances. We are not going to need to take loans from campus. We are not going to need to solicit money from, you know, the state of California or anything. Um, we're going to be able to be, you know within our own budgets, which, I mean, they, they have been for a very, very long time. Um, but this will make that even more of a reality. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for playing with my little hypothetical there, uh, at the end. Yeah. It didn't have much brain space for it, but I, I fought through it for you. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. It went a little longer than I thought, uh, for especially when I had one question, there was just a lot of, a lot of talking, uh, a lot of stuff going on, which is good. It's, it's, it's football. Like we almost, it's like two weeks away or something from football. I love this for David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast of champions. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye. CBS Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something of tracker. You strong swimmer. So, 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 so
Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.